0: Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet, and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, Trinity Sunday always has a uh, special place in my heart as a priest, my very first mass that I celebrated the day after I was ordained. So I was ordained May 21st, 2016. First Mass was at my home parish, May 22nd. It was the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. So Trinity Sunday is in some ways an anniversary of my heart. It's wonderful to celebrate this, uh, this Solemnity. So, so this past week, Sunday through Friday, this past week I spent uh, as the chaplain down at Catholic Youth Summer Camp at uh, Damascus Mission Campus. It's, it's located in Centerburg, Ohio. It's the geographical center of the state of Ohio. I was the chaplain for their first week of, of middle school camp. So throughout the entire summer, they have nine weeks of camp. They run uh, a high school camp and a middle school camp consecutively at the same time, all nine weeks. So I was the chaplain for the 250 middle schoolers who were there from all over the state, all over the country. There was kids from San Diego, kids from Hawaii were there. It was amazing. Anyway, it's a high adventure, high, adventure, high activity uh, camp that combines high adventure stuff with like, beautiful, powerful spirituality and You rock climbing high rope stuff. Uh, There's awesome stuff on the lake. You get to play paintball. I got to play paintball with some nuns. Come on now. I mean, that's like, that's, that's a bucket list item that I got to check off this week, shoot and lighten up some nuns. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I had no mercy, if you're wondering, right? Like absolutely. Cause they didn't have any mercy. She sister. She was going after me. I'm, it was all defense, was all defense. It's like stepping into the Acts of the Apostles, this place. It's, uh, you see miracles unfolding, people encountering Jesus. You see, I, I witnessed a girl who, she, uh, she was climbing the rock while this 11-year-old girl, her foot slipped off this little rock, and she dislocated her knee. It was horrible. She's screaming. Everyone's freaking out and crying. We get the ambulances there. Uh, but we prayed over her. They put her knee in the air cast. They start taking her to the emergency room. By the time they got her to the emergency room, uh, she wasn't crying anymore, and they took the air cast off, and her knee wasn't dislocated anymore. I don't know if you know, because I didn't know, but that doesn't just happen. <laughs> like, it doesn't just go back. So the doctors were like, what did you do? And they're like, we prayed over it. They're like, holy cow, right? It was awesome. So anyway, one of my favorite things about being uh, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, about being on the, on the campus, is... Uh, is enjoying the early mornings and in the, in the late evenings. I love the sunrises and the sunsets at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. I, uh, every morning, I get up pretty early. You don't, you don't sleep. As a, you don't sleep that week. But uh, you get up very early. I got up very early, and I would come to these picnic tables that overlook this beautiful field that I have my Bible, my journal. Um, a big cup of coffee. Big. I, 250 middle schoolers, did I mention this? Yeah, okay. Big cup of coffee. And uh, I would watch the sunrise every morning, watch the sky just it set on fire. It is so unspeakably beautiful. This field, you'd watch as like the dew drops, they would be filled with light, and it was like the whole earth was jewel-encrusted, and it's just, it's hard to put into words how beautiful it is. And then there's the sunsets at the end of the day, right? It's so the sun sets over this 25-acre lake they have on the property, and um, It's called Lake Joy. And all throughout the day, the high schoolers and middle schoolers are are at Lake Joy doing all sorts of crazy waterfront activities, swimming, uh, chicken fights. There's huge obstacle courses, zip lines. There's a blob thing, you know, where you jump down and someone gets shot off the end of it. I also blobbed a nun, okay, another bucket list thing. Um, But at the end of the day, when the sun is setting, there's no one there. It's dead silent, it's totally calm, the water is completely flat. And all you hear is the symphony of God's creation around you. You hear the orchestras, or the orchestra of the grasshoppers and the birds and the wind blowing through the grasses, and the sky is just on fire. And it's just so unbelievably, painfully beautiful. And every morning, every evening, as I've been there over the past many, many years enjoying these moments, these very quiet moments, I have the same strange experience. This thing bubbles up in my heart as I watch these sunrises, as I watch these sunsets. The same bizarre thought bubbles up, and it goes something like this. It's going to sound weird. The thought is this. I wish that I could eat that. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know I am what they used to, you know, call husky, uh, right? Okay, it's not politically correct anymore, so... But the fact that I ate everything as a boy growing up has nothing to do with the fact that I want to eat the sunrise. That place in my heart, I've come to know um, in my time of prayer and study of the Christian life and spirituality that that thing that bubbles up that says I want to eat that comes from a very deep and ancient place in my heart. And I bet if you took a second... And search your own heart, search your own memories. There's moments that you've had like this, moments of such exquisite beauty where you've been struck by such beauty or pierced by such beauty. And at the same time, there's this aching pain, this suffering that enters into it, right? Because like you're here and the beauty is there, right? Like I'm here and the sunset is there and like I want to, I want that to be with me. I want to be part of that thing. I want union with it, Right? And look, I'm not just talking about sunsets and sunrises, waterfalls and butterflies. I'm not just talking about that kind of stuff. And, like, and, and I do want to speak in particular to my brothers who are here tonight because I do think this is one of those areas of Christian spirituality where we kind of, as men, kind of tune out. Like, tune back in. Stay with me because this is about your heart too. Like, especially my brothers, think back to when you were a little boy. Like, what were those places in the woods that drew you, those secret places in the woods that only you knew about? Were there, like branches on particular trees that you just found yourself lingering in? Were there books that just riveted your imagination? What did you collect as a little boy? Was it bugs? Was it rocks? Was it matchbox cards, baseball cards? Like, can you, right now, can you smell, like, what those baseball cards used to smell like? Like, what were the movies that first pierced you, that, like, moved your heart, right? Star Wars, Indiana Jones... ET, like I remember the first time I saw ET, obviously I was born after it came out, but I remember the first time, I, I remember seeing it, and I remember like being so, like when, when the boys are riding those bikes, right, they're riding those bikes, they're running from the cops, all those adults, and those bikes just suddenly take off, and they start going into the air, man, whole, my like five-year-old heart was like, <gasps> like just overwhelmed, right, so like for the next month, I'm on my bike wearing a red hoodie sweatshirt, trying to, why isn't my bike floating, right? <laughs> trying to pop wheelies, it wasn't working, right? Okay, so C.S. Lewis, who, who you know, who's a huge hero of mine, he calls this whole experience that I'm talking about, he calls, it. he used the German word, Zengzucht, Zengzucht, to describe this experience that I'm talking about, this experience of, of longing, this experience of being pierced by beauty, moved by beauty, this aching longing, this longing desire for who knows what, right? It's this piercing, like, what is that? It makes us long for something more. Look, the the point is this, that our world, our world is filled with a thousand million million of these little icons of, of beauty. These little lowercase b beauties that all beckon us, they all elicit out of us, they all draw us into capital B beauty. And the reason I'm I'm talking about all of this on the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity is because the the stunning proposal, get this, the stunning proposal that's at the heart of the gospel is that you and I aren't merely meant to simply gaze upon beauty for all eternity. You and I are meant to be drawn into capital B, beauty himself for all eternity. This is what I mean. I think so many of us have this Image of heaven that's kind of wrong. That I think, like when we die, we get to go to this place called heaven, where like, I don't know, like you get to be there, and the saints are there, and like all your family members and loved ones that are they're hopefully there, right? And then like, and like God is there, like kind of like how we're all in the same space right now, occupying the same room. That's that's not heaven. Heaven is is literally being taken up into into the very heart of God taken up into the heart of the trinity right the church fathers use this word to describe the trinity they use this word perichoresis which means this dance this endless exchange of life and love that the father from all eternity has been pouring himself out perfectly to the son the son's been receiving and giving it back to the father and the mutual exchange of the gift of infinite perfect love is the third person of the trinity the holy spirit they use this image of a dance, this endless exchange of life and love, and you and I, friends, we are called to enter into, we are destined to enter into the very dance of infinite, perfect bliss of life and love. Like, we are going to enter it, and it will enter us like, like heat in hot water, like completely subusing us. This week, as I was thinking about this homily, an icon kept coming to my mind, a, a very old icon in the Eastern tradition um, it was written by a 14th century Russian iconographer named Rublev. I want to do something right now, this homily that I've never done before, and you're going to think maybe this is scandalous and weird, but I'm going to ask you to pull out your cell phones, because I want you to look up this picture. This is going to be like a participation moment right now. So I want, if you've got a smartphone, pull out your cell phone. And I want you to Google search. I want you to search the image Rublev, R-U-B-L-E-V, Rublev, Trinity, Icon. And if you don't have a phone right now that can search that, you can maybe search this when you go home. But Rublev Trinity Icon. And maybe if you don't have your phone, you've got someone around you who can, who can show it to you. Okay, so this is an icon that depicts the three persons of the Trinity. It borrows a story from the Old Testament when Abraham is visited by those three angels. So you've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're surrounding an altar and on the center of the altar is the Eucharist, which is so powerful. But right there in the very front, in, in the space where you, the viewer, are, if you notice, there's an open space. There's, there's another seat, empty seat at the table, if you will. This is deliberate. This is deliberate. Because it's speaking to the invitation, the invitation. This is, that's where you are meant to enter into this. That's where you and I are literally, like, heaven opens a door for you and I to enter into the very heart of the Trinity. That is home beckoning us in, right? Saying, enter into your master's joy. Come in. The way, and the way we enter into it precisely is right there at the center, is the Eucharist, right? We call it the Pledge of Future Glory, like, we're tasting now the future glory, right? So the Eucharist is the invitation into the very heart of the Trinity to consume perfect bliss, perfect love. To begin tasting, if you will, that perfect sunrise, that perfect sunset. Every Eucharistic celebration begins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every Mass is entering into the Trinity. Look, friends, we were, we were made for this dance, We were made for this dance, this perfect, endless life, love, bliss, perfect communion. And our hearts whisper this to us all day long. If only we have the ears to hear it. But so often we do shut it down because we think that's stupid. That's a stupid desire. You can't eat the sunset. You can't eat the sunrise. If we listen to our hearts, though, our hearts aren't stupid. We yearn for perfect beauty, perfect love perfect joy, perfect communion, perfect connection. Like, I never want to be isolated. I never want to be alienated. I never want to be mistreated. I want to be invited into the best of things. I want to be part of beauty. I want to eat the sunrise. I want to drink the sunset. As stupid and as crazy as that sounds, my heart's not stupid. Your heart's not stupid for wanting that. Because what the church is saying to us today by the solemnity, the church is holding out this bold proclamation that if it weren't true, it would be cruel. The church is saying, one day you will. One day you will. I want to I want to end this homily tonight. I want to end by sharing a section from a sermon that I consider to be one of the greatest sermons preached in, in all of Christianity. It was preached by C. S. Lewis. It's a sermon called The Weight of Glory. This is what C.S. Lewis says about this, just so you know that I'm not the crazy one who wants to eat the sunset. Concerning the glory promised us, we are told in Scripture that we are to shine as the sun. We are to be given the morning star. I think I begin to see what it means, he says. In one way, of course, God has given us the morning star already. You can go and enjoy the gift of many stars on many fine mornings if you get up early enough. And what more, you may ask, do we want? Oh, but we want so much more, something the books on aesthetics take little notice of. But the poets and the mythologies, they know all about it. We do not merely want to see beauty, though God knows even that is bounty enough. We want something else which can hardly be put into words, To be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. Or if you're me, to eat it and drink it. I want to drink it. He continues, that is why we have, through all of our stories and mythologies, filled the air and the earth and water with gods and goddesses and nymphs and elves that, though we cannot, yet these projections of our human nature, they can enjoy in themselves that beauty and grace and power of which nature is the image. That is why the poets tell us such lovely falsehoods. They talk as if the west wind could really sweep into a human soul, but it can't. They tell us that beauty born of murmuring sound will pass into a human face, but it won't, or not yet. For if we take the imagery of Scripture seriously, if we believe that God will one day give, the, uh, give us the morning star and cause us to put on the splendor of the sun, then we may surmise that both the ancient myths and the modern poetry, so false as history is concerned, may be very near the truth as prophecy. Listen, at present we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. Think of Rublev's icon on the opposite side, on the wrong side of the door. We've not yet entered in through the door. We discern the freshness and purity of morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, like I want to mingle with the beauty of that field, the beauty of the sunset, the beauty of the sunrise. Then he says this, But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. Friends, what we're celebrating today is the fact that God has opened up a door into the very heart of the Trinity itself. That as we consume Jesus in the Eucharist, we are in some ways beginning that, the satisfaction of that desire that we all have, like for perfect fulfillment, perfect beauty. So I just want to invite us to just pause for a few seconds, maybe close your eyes. Let us get in touch with our hearts, with our desires. What is moving and stirring in there? Because the Eucharist is the beginning of the satisfaction our hearts are looking for, the entry into the Trinity. God is everything we long for. Let's open our hearts to realize that he is here and he's beckoning us in. Amen.